PJ Foss, show that buzzes around the latest of the town. I'm your host, PJ, and today we're diving into midterm elections with our very special guest, Navjot. Welcome to the show, Navjot. Thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about the midterm election. Our buzzers, Navjot is a community organizer who advocates for voter engagement and social political issues. She's also a founder of Car Republic Multimedia Group. And look, let's enjoy the ride for these midterm elections. You're going to hear all the tea on the midterm elections because this season has definitely been very crazy. It's been very intense. I spent a considerable amount of time talking to voters on the phone uh, in Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and really trying to understand the issues that people are facing nowadays um, and what really influenced them to vote. The data that we're seeing that's coming out of these states is actually very interesting because, you know, how like the Dobbs decision fueled turnout, how voters are starting to finally realize that Republicans are not only, you know, interested in the state houses and trying to really push all the issues back to the states as opposed to like federally protected laws that just make sure that society is equal and that ensures that, you know, no one is discriminated based on their background. We're seeing they're finally stepping up and saying we understand that the state house is important. The legislature is important. Who represents us in city council is important. So really emphasizing the down ballot races this year in the midterm elections was definitely important and a very, very much recurring theme. The Georgia Senate race, too, because of just the divide between white and black voters and who they went for. And you may have heard Herschel Walker saying many insane things and Nikki Haley backing him up and, you know, saying that Senator Warnock should be deported, which is very weird because she's Punjabi Sikh as well. So we had a lot of people of color who ran as Republicans or are Republicans really say some really opposite things that really doesn't make sense. So, you know, seven in 10 women voted Democrat. Dave, it's amazing because the gender gap was so real. Because So the gender divide in voting in these midterm elections, along with race, has been a very interesting data set to look at because it just shows you that there is a very distorted reality of how men and women view political issues. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Democrat too. So I went and voted for Democrats in New York, but we had a red wave here. Um, That's a whole different story what you guys are going through, shifting from blue to red. Yeah, it's actually pretty scary because um, Eric Adams, as you know, the New York City mayor, he decided he wanted to throw all Democrats under the bus by, you know, crying wolf about bail reform, bail reform. And then you have people who have very big social media platforms spreading disinformation about bail reform. So a lot of issues on the ballot, a lot of tension. And, you know, Republicans are finally like gathering their chips together to see who is going to represent them in the Senate. And it's coming down to Rick Scott versus uh, Mitch McConnell. So that should be very interesting to see. Very interesting. I wonder if Mitch McConnell is going to be there. But like we really needed the worst to happen this year to get more voter engagement. Sometimes like, you know, our moms used to say, if this doesn't happen, the worst is going to happen, then you're going to come to your senses. It's literally just that with especially women voters coming out to vote and the, the shifts that we're seeing right now, it's crazy. Were yeah. there any key races that you were more interested in, like following for the federal position? I was actually watching like Katie Hobbs versus Carrie Lake. I was watching John Fetterman versus 
versus Dr. Oz. And then I was watching Lee Zeldin versus Kathy Hochul here in New York. And it was interesting how in New York, at least as a voter here, I was really freaked out about the possibility of Zeldin becoming governor. Oh. That would And Lee Zeldin, for those who don't know, um, he used to represent New York one in Congress and he was Trump's right hand man. And he is an avid election denier. So that would have been really bad if he had become on top of being a Republican. There yeah. are already issues with him being an election denier and making people distrust the electoral process. Him becoming governor would have been a very bad thing. That would have like validated a lot of his very bogus claims about how elections are conducted here. It's crazy that we're finally starting to see voters vote with, with the intention of people what they're saying is on policies rather than party affiliated agendas. Because if you see it, like for a while, we did lose that concept of party affiliations for many candidates. Yeah. Uh, and now we're going coming back to the old dream, like who do we align better with for policy and those issues like climate change, reproductive health rights, and so many, like especially access to voting rights, because that's, that's under threat in many states. It yeah. could hinder counting your vote as an official ballot. So all of these things are happening. It's been such a long while since I personally myself have consciously seen this. More awareness on state and local elections. Yes. Usually the, the entirety of the, the concentration goes in the presidential elections, but the meat of the game is in the state and the the senate and the house and city and all of these local positions and i'm glad like we're getting to the point where like, we're seeing where the thing is happening rather than just focusing on one, yeah. one point but, but that's my take on it so well as i said like there's there were a lot of state and local yeah. elections going on and i'm from massachusetts and we actually have a thing like a republican from here is probably more liberal than someone a democrat <laughs> from alabama <laughs> oh my god i can't even begin that is such a stark contrast and you know ed markey and elizabeth warren like i'm actually very jealous that they get to represent you in congress because they're so bad like i mean bad in a good way they they're total baddies. Ed Markey saying, where's your father? That line just stays with me because his thick accent, you know, I'm, I, I love Massachusetts. I think it's ahead of its time. We in New York could learn a lot. I know you guys just passed like the Fair Share Amendment. It would tax like the richest in your state and it would redistribute it to education, transit, and so many more, like so much more public infrastructure that just needs to be supported. So that's really good to know. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to know about like what races were you watching and what were you interested to see during this midterm season? I was really watching it in a more of a holistic picture, the major overview. This year, I, to be honest, I'm adulting this year. So <laughs> I didn't have the bandwidth to watch something very close as I would like in my previous years. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to see like how the Senate, who takes the control and who takes the control of the House. Yeah. And then where does that come out to? But more closely, like I was looking forward to like who becomes the governor, the governor of Massachusetts. We made history here. We have the first female as being governor right now like which is historic for us historic. but then it kind of reassures me like where my people are going off my state yeah. they are progressive they're moderate they're not like far to right or far to left they know where the business deals are at yeah. and what's gonna benefit us so that was my focus this year yeah. so party affiliations i to me like sometimes it scares me to say i don't care about party affiliations of people because i have been in massachusetts where i voted for a republican governor but yeah. i voted for a democratic senator. split ticket voting yeah 
Yeah, that was actually a theme in this year's election too. I think it was more common in Arizona where I was talking to voters. They were like, I'm going to vote for Mark Kelly, but I might vote for Carrie Lake. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever floats your boat. Katie Hobbs came up on top and I'm grateful she won. You know, what was really interesting in this midterm election was the diversity of candidates, especially who ran for like the primaries. And unfortunately, some of them didn't make it past South Asian voters or like action groups. Like they took up most of the responsibility of turning out voters and making that contact phone banking. As usual, I just feel like Democrats don't have a good ground game when it comes to ethnic voters. Like I did not get a single knock on my door this entire time. I got a mailer from my mom's union from 32BJSCIU and that's pretty much it. I got no calls asking me who I'm voting for. No one came to my door. Nobody asked. And then Gen Z, they came out in full force. Oh yeah, they know what's I take. Yeah. <laughs> right, because like they have like, if you also see it, right, like there's a time we have been in school, like I consider myself like a millennial according to the categorization that they have, right? But like, us going through schooling here, we, we probably didn't see that many like horrific events of like, school shooting. And then yeah. instead of fire drills, they're getting prepped for school shooting drills, which yeah. is traumatized. And then that's really pushing them to be at the polls. Reproductive health rights, like if you don't have access to it, which is part of healthcare, then what next? What they right. think these are like the major wins that we're seeing that people are aligning with policies more yeah. rather and than other agendas. What's actually really interesting is that Maxwell Frost is the first Gen Z to be elected to Congress from Florida. But also, I mean, Florida went completely red. Like it's like no man's land for Democrats, I feel like. But um, Gen Z got its first member of Congress from Florida, ironically enough. And you know, when you think about Uvalde as well in Texas, where, you know, horrifically children lost their lives due to a mass shooting, um, that community voted overwhelmed. I think 77% was the last figure I saw for Greg Abbott. And that was really, in, that was really just, dis- I wouldn't even say interesting. That's really disappointing to see because, you know, a lot of the parents impacted by that shooting who lost their children were Hispanic. They were minorities. And so like some of them may not even have voting powers. They were relying on their community to really show up at the polls and like advocate for them in that way. So it was really disappointing to see that. And it was really disappointing to see, and you say like restricting access to military grade weapons oh God. <laughs> is a solution. <laughs> you know, carry your pistols, do handheld weapons. No one's arguing against that, right? We're saying military grade weapons do not exactly. belong in American streets. So like we're not saying no more guns. We're just saying yeah. just certain types of guns are okay to have. Yeah. Why do I need a rifle that shoots? I get the bullet at one trigger. No, we don't need that. I still want people to feel protected with their you know, yeah. Second Amendment because I've traveled around the states where you know it's it's necessary. It's necessary. Yeah, you need to protect yourself. But that doesn't mean I need a militarized weapon. I don't get that argument either because like one day I would like to have it as well. But then if I see my kid being threatened in school due to that, but then it also. But then again, right? Different yeah. states have different laws regarding regulating the licensing, like who can yeah. have the access to guns, and it's very well organized here in Massachusetts. So like owning a gun, like you have to go through a thorough process. Whereas yeah. in Georgia, you might not have to go through a thorough process. Like, it's like how do we unify the entire country together on this? Yeah. Like we're not saying no more guns, but let's restrict who can have access. Because why do we right. always get the answer like, oh, this person was mentally disturbed, they shouldn't be carrying a gun. But then why are they carrying a gun? How did they get that gun? Yeah, there should be more regulations. Like we're paying tax money out of our wages, right? Every yeah. time we earn income, we're paying taxes. This is what the government should be working on, and this yeah. is why elections matter. And what hurts on elections sometimes is that you and I can relate on it, like, yeah, because uh, we're both from immigrant families. Yeah, like, yeah. identity 
party politics. That okay. didn't really hurt because these individuals that are like running for candidacy for certain positions, yeah. they're going with the certain, you know, they could be Republican or Democratic person, right? It doesn't yeah. matter which party they're fully with. But the type of individual they are for like, yeah. and the way they project it to the community versus how they're actually performing at the job are two yeah. different things. How do you hold them accountable? You can't really hold them accountable because the language barrier is still a barrier there for those yeah. those voters. The Asian vote in general is just not as prioritized as it should be even though like we still turn out Indian community or the South Asian community is the highest amount of it's composed of the democratic base so, so there is a significant chunk of us from the South Asian community who vote Democrat reliably but that doesn't mean you take it for granted because a lot of these voters who are voting for Lee Zeldin I think people use these hate crimes to really touch on issues like gun control they touch on issue like crimes they touch on issues like immigrants not being safe in, in New York. Like I know people who have moved out of New York. They've went to Indiana. They've went elsewhere across the country. And so it's really interesting just to see how when people have a massive platform, they don't really use it to educate and inform. It's more like narcissistic in a way. And yeah, I guess when you're in politics, you do have to have a certain level of like chutzpah to be <laughs> um, to really blatantly lie out of your teeth. So it happens. And then like the way we're seeing a couple of things, I was just having a conversation yesterday with my mom. And I think it was the day before yesterday. We we're just discussing the elections. Well, she was happy. You guys got, if anybody doesn't know, my parents are in New York. So Navjot and her and them kind of have the same governor. So she was happy. Hokel is back in office. You guys made history too with her. So are there any things you're anticipating with her becoming the governor while your state is becoming red? I think the biggest thing that came out of the midterm elections is this very urgent need to get rid of antiquated democratic leadership. So the head of the New York State Democratic Party is Jay Jacobs, and he is a Cuomo he is a Cuomo era relic. And what Jay Jacobs does care about people who fundraise for him, who bring the party more money. And obviously, you're supposed to care about these things. Don't get me wrong; like you need money to run things, you need money to give to candidates down ballot, you need to support other Democrats across the state. But none of that really material materialized in the selections. So, and, and this is a nationwide conversation that people are also having where, you know, in the states that we did very poorly, like, how do we get rid of Democratic chairs that aren't doing their jobs? So what we're doing in New York is like addressing Jay Jacobs, how to get him out and just focusing on the agenda of ensuring New Yorkers, like we can get public renewable energy, right? So yeah. putting utilities in the public domain, putting utilities back in the public realm. So like we don't have soaring energy costs. We're also focusing on taxing the rich. In the upcoming legislative session, there's going to be issues around like, how do we address gun violence in New York? And recently, a court struck down the laws that the assembly passed, or the legislature passed when it came to guns mm -hmm. after like the Supreme Court struck down the permit, the concealed carry law in New York. So Kathy Hochul had convened the legislature back guns and firearms off the New York City subway that was struck down by a court just before election day. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to pick up the pieces and figure out what's next and to in this moment in time when covid is still happening and people are still dying ensure that you know one democrats stay competitive across the state two how we can as progressives win policy issues that we really care about and then three how are we going to build a democratic party that reflects all of us she knows the tactic um we're trying to figure out like how can we make sure that the will of the voters is heard and how we can ensure 
sure that everyone has fair representation. Right, because these issues are all right across. Like, it just reminds me of like, how can we get these politicians? Sometimes like, even if I, I'm focusing on like I told you, the bigger picture this yeah. year. Like when, how do we make them, respect them to work together as a team? Because at the end of the day, it's like, it's similar to the times we were being taught how to work on on different teams yeah. different individuals through school work projects right <laughs> our teachers were teaching us when we were kids or when we were teenagers even in college like we were forced to work with individuals that we didn't get along with as of like our personality was as yeah. their working style was completely pull opposite of what ours is yeah. so we were able to do it to get a grade i think the thing the system that we lack the most is, is giving a reflective score to our representatives because the only way they get that is through voting but yeah. if the voting is not being done they won't get that result of like how well they're performing that's something we lack but like how do we encourage these people to work as a team god damn they're working for me i have put them into office for me but like they should be favoring me on policies i would like them to vote on but it's just so unfortunate that once these candidates are in office they forget or they get disconnected from the public uh why they're there what was their ultimate goal for winning the vote why were they engaging with the public at the first place so it's really hard and i'm still trying to figure my ways out like how do i stay well connected with with my rap like you know in my state yeah. and federal senators as well like how, how do we make sure they know what's going on within the public that they're presenting and what issues they should be still focusing on who they are states need to build a system that we hold them accountable one way or the other so yeah. moving on to the next topic because this is interesting because i'm kind of tired of explaining to people because yeah. it's been such a repetitive question that I'm being asked by people outside of the U.S., but I'm sure many young voters, many individuals who are new to, you know, who just became a citizen and they just got into the voting game or someone who's just trying to engage themselves into voting. We have had some late declarations of the results and we have run out for it is Georgia. And then, you know, a couple of states were declaring their results very late, but uh, some of them were from the West Coast. So could you share like why that happens? The key thing to remember is that democracy takes time. It's not instant. The best thing that has happened over the years is the introduction of mail-in balloting or you know you're dropping off your ballot in early in person yeah these systems have provided so much flexibility to people because is that like with election deniers running in this midterm election we had a lot of like why is this coming in so late why are we getting a minute by minute breakdown of the election why you know people like oh carrie lake is behind 500 katie hobbs is like 600 above her and i'm like just tell me who won please like i cannot (laughs) I have anxiety. I cannot deal with this. So basically, the process in in some states, they allow you to watch the count as it's happening. So when Mm -hmm. the depth and breadth throughout this time, especially during the midterm elections, you're finding out news from many different sources. But I think what we need to continue to build on is verifying information that we get online. And, you know, even if it's like recently somebody tweeted out that 15,000 Iranian protesters are going to be killed by the regime for protest. Mm-hmm. for the hijab incident. Yeah. So that was actually not true. But the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, was tre- tweeting it out. And many other notable figures were tweeting about it. So people thought, oh, this actually must be legitimate. But it's actually not true. And it's okay because we all fall for this because it looks legitimate, right? Oh. But the biggest challenge we face as we hit 8 billion people in population is that we need to watch.
watch how we have these social platforms and regulate them because quite frankly they control the flow of information across the world yeah and the biggest threat to democracy is actually social media <laughs> right because when we talk about policies right i'm gonna close it with this like on this topic like first of all america is obsessed i don't know why it's obsessed with electing white old old men probably old men to be presidents right and they could be spitting any kind of lie which is not being talked like at that point right and people will just consume it and that's it go about their day and go that which has happened a lot since the recent recent years and every time i'm looking at like okay we're on social media or instagram or on facebook or on whatever app we follow and then someone just say that subtitle or a title or a subtitle of any news they'll just believe it without reading it like whatever because you know the meat of the news is actually in the middle <laughs> it's never at the top it's never at the at the end because you know how writing goes they just gotta gosh the attention of the reader yeah. but then people just go take the headlines and make it a news oh yeah that's what's happening yeah no they succeeded at their job of gushing their attention but you can't read it <laughs> we can get down to that rabbit hole of like reading news like yeah oh God. it the way things are going is crazy and how many things how many times i have corrected my family on so many things like no this is not what it is actually it's like this it's just like spreading a rumor yeah. yeah so that's what it all is about but the, the cost of that is things are actually becoming laws and then they affect our lives directly. More Democrats in this year have won governorship across the country. Yeah, which is crazy no. and dang, right? I, I personally think that too. Like, if, if our representative really want to, they will make it work. Somehow, the Republican Party is running on Christian values. But they, then, they have gotten to a point. Like, if I'm a moderate, I want to be a Republican in my state or any other individual will associate me with Christian values even though I'm not Christian. Yeah. It could be just the way I believe in certain policies for some other scientific reason, right? Yeah. But because of that, I lean towards Democrat because it kind of focuses on secularism, like what this whole entire country is about, a melting pot, and where Republicans kind of pushed me away to the point that Oh, if you don't believe in a very orthodox Christian values or beliefs, you're not a Republican. Like that was the agenda that was also getting portrayed as like on their political party's values and perception. Because in certain states, it's very strong and it's okay at times, but it's not okay when it leads to hate crime. And and with the thing with Christian nationalism is that the Republican Party has always, you know, followed the mandate of the founders. So originally, like this country was founded as a city on the hill, right? So it's supposed to be a model. I think it was something in the Bible that like they had a city on a hill that was like really cool i don't know it was something like i read in like american history a couple decades ago <laughs> um but not to age myself here but um not too it, i'm not too old actually anyways we're not that old <laughs> <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is that you know the fbi had like researched that, that the biggest threat to u.s mainland is actually white supremacy and all all these people who are like oh when the dobbs decision was announced christians were like this is great we're gonna have so many kids we're gonna adopt your Babies, like Jenny Hagel, only Sam Sagde, but you know that's a whole other story. Right, that's a whole different story. Jenny Hagel, like you can't take care of them. The ones you already have, you can't take care of them. Like, yeah. anyways, but work, yeah. the biggest premise of them knocking that down is to control women because they have an idea that women are supposed to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen only, and that's all we're supposed to do. And even when you look at the dialogue on Fox News nowadays, it's all about single cat ladies not you know content with their lives. I'm a single 
single woman. I vote Democrat. I know like PJ, you're Democrat. What they kind of say about single and married women doesn't really ring true because registered Democrats, whether you're married or single, still have the idea that as a cohesive society, we're supposed to find ways to work and live with each other. And with the ch- with the separation of church and state, you can't really mandate that people follow your religion. So if and when the Dobbs decision was announced, a lot of Jewish people were like, well, abortion is actually okay in my faith. We're supposed to have it. It's not something that we're banned from doing. Um, right. You're violating just, my religious views. Right. And you could have your own belief. But then right. regardless of like, I I think regardless whether a woman is married or not, it doesn't matter. It's like, why do we still have to get to the marital status of a woman to decide what, what party she aligns with? Regardless, yeah. like regardless. The party affiliation is just, it should be just based on policy affiliation. What? It's a- Republican Party lost their <laughs> own like core function or core belief yeah. of like what their party was actually meant for. I don't know if they had one in the first <laughs> Now they want, like this is, they didn't, wasn't it like they didn't want a lot of government interference, but now they want a lot of government interference with human bodies, which is yeah. crazy. Like this is not what it was. It's freedom until you want to make decisions about carrying a pregnancy that ultimately might kill you or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, carrying your rapist child. Um, so, Or if you have PCOS or you have endometriosis yeah, anything. or you have ovarian cancer or anything, like name it. Reproductive health, like going to the dentist. And it's not like, you know, yes, it's a big topic, like a pregnancy, but yeah. it's reproductive health rate for a woman is way beyond pregnancy. Yeah. Like some are fighting life or death without the pregnancy because of certain procedures they need. And if they have to wait to get that approval from like a state rap, yeah. oh my goodness. Like you're, how is that pro-life? Like that person is almost going to die while waiting for that approval. Can you imagine calling up Ron DeSantis and be like, yo, I need you in my um, patient room right now. I got to make a decision about my health care. Like, can you come like tell me if I can do this or not? Like, are you the doctor? I mean, there are doctors in Congress who don't believe in reproductive health either. So it's a whole other issue. But like the central premise, I feel like is this threat isn't going to go away. It's only going to get more rabid. And I feel like what's going to happen is we're going to deal with people who are Christian nationalists who are going to continue to run for election. They're going to continue to try every different platform to take power and, you know, really impose their views on like Sikhs, on Muslims, on Christians, Mm -hmm. on Jews. You're going to continue doing that. But the best part of the midterm elections is that everybody showed up across the country and said, oh, hell no. (laughs) All right, buzzers. What I want you to take out of this conversation, the last one, we did get a little heated, but is that align yourself with policies rather than the religious agendas that any party could be leading with. See what's best for you because if your state is a heavily Republican state, you might have a very moderate progressive Republican as well to align with them who vote in in the favor of your policies. This was a great segment, Navjo. Thank you so much for joining in. I really appreciate you coming in and tagging along to cover the midterm elections. And if you guys want to know, find more about Navjo's ideas on on topics that she discussed this follower on Navigating Politics with Navjo on different platforms. I'll share the link, follow and subscribe to Peaches Buzz for more episodes.